Welcome. I offer you a choice. A choice between two worlds. Take the blue pill and continue living in the world you know. A world of complacency and indifference. Or you can take the red pill and join us in creating a world where like-minded people come together to fight for freedom. What the elites don't want you to know is that there are 200,000 open committee man seats in the Republican Party. These party members are the ones who determine the future of the GOP. The precinct strategy will teach you what it takes to elect America first candidates who share your love of country and desire a better America. Will you take the blue pill and continue living in a world where a corrupt few control everything? Or will you take the red pill and join us? Let's take our country back one precinct at a time. Choose wisely. Your future depends on it. Visit precinctstrategy.com now. Welcome back to the Professor Penn Podcast. David Penn here. Well, it's podcast number 40, and we're finally getting our game together. I hope you enjoyed that. Cold open, precinctstrategy.com. Precinctstrategy.com, look at that advertising. Isn't that cool? Uh, Really kind of summarizes what we're doing here. As I've said many times, uh, I'm talking to you and and trying to develop a relationship with you, uh, and I want you to develop a relationship with us that's aimed at changing the business model of the United States of America. There's two things we'd like to accomplish. We'd like to get out of the empire business and we'd like to get out of the slavery, drugs, and piracy business. And to do that, it's going to be an all hands on deck moment. And that's what we're promoting. We're promoting, we're asking, we're pleading with you to get off the bench and get in the game of politics. There's many ways to do it. Many ways. It's as many ways as there are stars in the sky. But one of the most effective ways is to join your local precinct. Because what is really the political process? I'm talking and sharing with you how I feel. I make a bunch of I statements. I try to stay away from you. Make a bunch of I statements. And when I talk to my neighbors, which I do, I walk in my neighborhood, used to run, right? Getting a little bit long in the tooth. So I walk. A lot of days I walk six miles. My neighbors are out. I stop and talk to them. They got political signs in their yard. I stop and talk to them. Particularly, I engage them in dialogue. They're my neighbors after all. I'm not in conflict with my neighbors. I want to meet my neighbors, and I want to engage them in dialogue. And then they find out real quickly that I have a goal, which is to uh, share with them my I statements about what I think is going on in our neighborhood. Some of them turn their backs on me. That's fine. They're American citizens. They're free to make any choice as regards politics as they want to. But many of them actually engage with me, share with me, talk to me, and that's how politics works. That's why we've got this great injunction, never talk about politics or religion, because that's how the status quo of slavery, drugs, and piracy manipulates us. I want to thank Free People Radio for giving me this platform. I want to thank our advertiser, Target.com. 14,000 different kinds of tires in stock for all your tire needs. And when you go to Target.com and buy tires, you're funding the movement. 
That's called the patriot economy. So truth media, which is what we're doing here, we're, we're not saying we know what the truth is. You and I are working together to find the truth, which is a lot different than the narrative that comes out of the state-sponsored media, which tells us what's going on. Just tells us, hey, this is what it is. Hey, why do you people have a corner on the truth? Am I supposed to be stupid? Yeah, I guess I am, right? They think I'm stupid. No, you're not stupid. That's why you're here participating in this great American citizens movement. This is a political movement. It's entertaining, too. I'd like to be funny. You know, things are so serious, it's tough to get a good laugh on. Maybe today I'll come up with one or two zingers. I don't know. Every time I wake up, I go, I, I need to be in for myself. It's an I statement. I want to be in a good mood. And humor and laughing elevates me. And I'm trying to do it in the face of overwhelmingly crazy news. It's crazy-making news. You ever hear that? Those of us that have been to a psychologist, you know, crazy-making behavior. There's a lot of crazy-making behavior going on right now. For example, there's a great movie now about uh, child trafficking, Song of Freedom. You know, this is a reality of our life. And... Um, you watch the news on the mainstream media and they just say, these people are crazy. There's no child sex trafficking. There's no child organ trafficking. That doesn't happen. Well, I want to share something with you, and I know I'm never going to get through my agenda today because things, you know, Tannery took a vacation. Things back up. Can't even keep up with everything that's going on. Of course, Tanner gets a vacation. That's, <clears throat> that's part of the deal, right? We've got to take a little time off. But Professor Penn doesn't get any time off. I'm on this 24-7 because uh, that's just the nature of my life. But, you know, people take time off, and the news keeps coming. It keeps coming. It's summertime. We're sp Tanner was just telling me he was enjoying the Milky Way. You know, that's a very important thing to do. He laid on his back. He looked at the stars. He became one with all life. He had a, he had a kind of a breakthrough experience. Very important. But he's back, and while he was communing with nature— these crazy mass murderers that are running everything, they just keep piling on the news. So we'll do our best to get through things today because I have a, an, an ambitious agenda. But I got thinking today on the way in. Song of Freedom. It started because in my house, we, you know, we're going to go see the movie as a family. And we got an 11-year-old, 12-year-old at home. And I said, are we sure we can show this? Oh, no, you know, it's okay. Well, let me tell you, I thought about it. Yeah, he needs to see it. He's old enough to see it. He's 12 years old. Of course, he's grown up in a loving household where people protect him. And let's talk about children just, just for a moment and about how screwed up mentally we are here now in this matrix, which our political leader, one of our young political stars, superstars, Royce White, has starred in this spot, which is going to be all over media, to really ask you, ask you, and I'm asking you, as I asked of myself, I asked myself, what can I do to reverse this horrible evil that I'm seeing break out in my land? And I thought, well, I'm going to get involved in a political party. That would be the Republican Party, because about half the Republicans believe in God, the other half don't. They're really Democrats. They're hanging around in the Republican Party. They're materialists. 
They want low taxes and low regulations so they can pile up the cash in their bank accounts. They're just Democrats. They don't know it. Their thinking is screwed up. But we're going to tell them and share with them and try to help them repent that they might be part of the freedom movement, which this country sorely needs if we're going to protect our children. Now let's just talk about the children for a moment. This movie, Song of Freedom, I have not seen it. I'm going to go, and then I'm probably going to get behind on next week's podcast. But I know all about this. This is one of the many experiences that I've had in my life that when I went through it, I thought to myself, what? Why am I going through this? And this was a long time ago. I was a young man. I mean, I was in my 30s, and I I, I was exposed to and deeply involved with a... um, here in Minneapolis, a child sexual exploitation ring, and it was busted, and uh, I had the uh, opportunity, I thought at the time it was kind of a misfortune because it was so disturbing, to speak with uh, many of the people that were um, involved and were exploited by this, by this ring of pedophiles. And they said things to me that I just thought, you know, I'm early 30s, impossible to believe. Trained in CIA bases, senior political leaders involved, uh, satanic in the extreme. And, you know, it kind of blew my my circuits, to be frank with you, because I was unprepared. Now, I want you to think back. This is the early 90s. This was not part and parcel of everyday discourse. And to be told that there was huge international child sex trafficking rings, it was very disturbing. It disturbed me. It destabilized me for many, many years. And uh, I realize now, looking back on this, uh, that um, the damage that was done to these people was systematic and intentional. And I want to I want to share uh, a couple of just quick thoughts about this, and then we'll get into today, to today's agenda. Uh, To take a child and traumatize them will oftentimes create what's called a dissociative personality. In other words, that, that child to exist will create a range of personality expressions from the normal to the exploitative sex worker. And this is done very systematically. This is ancient knowledge. Uh, The exploitation of children goes back to antiquity because children were thought to be the inventory or the property of the tribe or the group or the city-state. And uh, I just want to comment on one issue of interest to me today, and then we'll keep talking about this as the weeks and months unfold. The central contribution of Judaism to world history was a stark and clear declaration that there would be no more child exploitation or child sacrifice. For those of you that are not biblically steeped or historically steeped, uh, Abraham took his son. Abraham was an old man, old man, old. And his, his wife, Sarah, was old, past childbearing years. And in a miraculous event, she, Sarah, became pregnant 
and gave Abraham a son who was named Isaac, a son of his very old age. And he, you know, Abraham was tested. He was told to take Isaac to a mountain and bind him and sacrifice him. So if you can imagine the scene from those of us who have sons walking along hand in hand with your little kid, four or five years old, six years old. Hey, Dad, where are we going today? Oh, we're taking a walk, son. And in your mind, you know you're going to cut his throat and eat him. Hey, that's an interesting walk, isn't it? So they're walking up the mountain. Hey, where are we going, Dad? They get up to the mountain, and Abraham is to sacrifice Isaac, and he does not do it. He unbinds his son. And the life of that child is preserved, Isaac, who is a forefather of all the religions. And that is the cornerstone of the uh, Judeo-Christian philosophy or religion, that children are not inventory, that they are the precious gift of God. And if you take a look at the New Testament, and I'm not trying to get biblical, I'm just, I want to get to why these people do this. There's many reasons why. They make a ton of money out of it. They're sexual deviants. They use it to control uh, participants because, of course, once you're filmed raping a child, you're under somebody's control, right? It's a, it's a ritual of incorporation. There's many reasons why this is done functionally. But theologically, if you take a look at the, the theological roots of the Judeo-Christian experience in the Old Testament, No more child sacrifice. That's out. Everything is about protecting children, transmitting the knowledge to children, the faith of the children. The whole religion is about educating the children. When we get to the New Testament, there's two unforgivable sins. One, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, unforgivable. And number two, taking the faith of a child. And it says it would be better if you were tied to a millstone and thrown into the ocean than it would be to take the faith of a child. And taking the faith of a child by raping them and destroying their childlike nature, forcing them to dissociate, turning them into inventory, in addition to all the functional reasons why this is done, the core reason is it reverses the cornerstone of the Christian faith. These people are anti-Christian, or as they say, they're anti-Christ. And if we understand it at the functional level, like if you want to be in the mafia, hard to get into the mafia. You know, we've got plenty of movies. It's called Making Your Bones. Making Your Bones, you got to kill someone to get in the club. Because once you've done that, you know, the door closes behind you. It's a one-way door. You walk through that door, kill somebody, join the club. Hey, you can't go out and join the priesthood. You're done. You've been incorporated into a criminal organization. And many criminal organizations use uh, murder as the cornerstone of the ritual of incorporation to get into the club. Well, hey, you want to take it up another level? Start killing children. Hey, then we know you're really committed because, you know, you've killed and raped a child. So there's a very functional part of it. There's a very uh, financial part of it. This is a, a trade in, in uh, human sexual uh, favors and human, you know, human sexual exploitations, t- terrifying organ harvesting. You know, in China, all the Chinese people know, 
I've been there. I've said this to you many times. They know, don't let your child out of your sight. Because if you let your child out of your sight, they're gone. They're gone. They're inventory. So, you know, a lot of times you'll be in China and you'll actually see mothers with dog leashes on their children. So afraid they are of that child wandering away. I mean, this is, this is just the world we live in. And that's the point I want to get to before we move on to today's agenda. We accept as a culture, because we're in this matrix, we accept the exploitation of children and the defilement of children part and parcel with life. You know, I, I don't even want to go on Instagram. All the images are so you know, out there. And, and, you know, pornography is omnipresent. And I'm, and I'm not saying that I've never looked at it. I'm a man. Hey, all you men you want to see you never looked at it? Hey, don't bullshit me, okay? The point is, is to give it up and realize that behind that uh, veneer of um, adult sexual working, there's children in there. And when I connect with that, I'm ashamed that I ever looked. Because there are children being exploited. And what is the boundary of a child? I mean, if you start exploiting a child when they're six and they're a sex worker at 26, how do you make sense of that? So there's all this exploitation of children going on. Look at how our children are being treated. You see these little six, eight-year-old kids with masks on their faces? We've just dumbed down the entire society. We've been working on making our children dumb for several generations they're being brainwashed in the schools. They're not being taught how to think critically. They're being taught what to think. They're being sexualized in their clothing. They're being sexualized in the behavior of the entire society. I mean, the whole thing, if you step back and think about it, which I was forced to do this morning, is abominable. And we accept this because we're living in an empire that's business model is slavery, drugs, and piracy. And when we wake up from this, which is what Royce was trying to ask us to do, when we wake up from this, we're going to look back and see, what the hell were we doing here? This was crazy. And that's what it is. We're crazy. We've been made crazy by experts that do it to make us subject to their control. And that's the critical thing of the precinct strategy. Okay, let's go back to just basic reality. I went on a little rant there, a little rant about the exploitation of children. Well, how are we going to change that? The Republican Party, I go look at my last podcast, Horrifying. I thoroughly gave a, I shared with you, and by the way, good, good day to you. Hope you're feeling well. I'm, getting, I'm a little wound up. I haven't done a podcast. You know, Tanner's been gone. I'm like a rattlesnake in spring here. You know, rattlesnake in spring, that's when you get bit, that's when you get that's when you get killed. That's spring bite. Been laying around I've been laying around waiting to get back in the game. But what Royce was was sharing with you here is that the Republican Party is run by people. But because I was not involved in the party, my spot was vacant. My voice was not heard. My will was not felt. No, I was politically engaged. I was politically aware. I just wasn't rolling my sleeves up because I had other things to do. I was abdicating and outsourcing 
my American citizenship to other people who I thought had my best interests in mind, the social compact. And when I realized that they did not have my best interests in mind, I entered the party. Oh, we got things stirred up here in Minnesota. Oh, it's really stirred up. Mr. We don't do that here. Mr. History doesn't matter. And Mr. We don't uh, need any more Republicans. These people are uh, kind of surrounded right now because a mass political movement is forming here in Minnesota, here in the Twin Cities, and throughout the country. And what Royce is, is, is well, as Morpheus, the Matrix, what he's saying, if we're going to rescue our country from this matrix of control, we, the American citizens, you and I, one of the ways we can do it is enter the party. Those 200,000 vacant seats are vacant for a reason. Mr. We don't want any more Republicans because I'm going to ask you to join. Come very soon. We're going to have a whole political organization set up. When I say soon, I mean soon. There's going to be a website. There's going to be people, people to talk to you. We're going to demystify the secret society of politics. We're going to do the thing that they resent and resist the most. We're going to tell you how to get involved. They don't want you to get involved. They want you to stay home, smoke dope, watch cartoons, and let them rape your children. That's who they are. Oh, they don't like to hear that. But I know that that's who they are because I know in the 90s what Republican Party politicians were involved in the exploitation of children. I know who they are by name. But as I said in my last podcast, as a professional courtesy, we're going to keep this in the family in the hopes these people will repent, that they will change their evil ways when you're walking in the wrong direction for a lifetime. You know what people do is they say, hey, shit, there's nothing I can do about this. I'm gone. I'm just going to keep on trucking. No, no. You just turn around 180 and take the first step back in the other direction. And as an American citizen, your change of heart will be recognized. You will be revered for your change of heart. And I see this from the very, uh, just last night I got a text from a pretty uni party a person that I know who I like very much. And she just said to me, my goodness gracious, I'm seeing this. Well, you know, the awareness has been building and growing and I've been talking to her and I respect her and she's my friend. And all of a sudden she is ready to spread her angel wings and fly out of this hell that these people have us trapped in. That's at the very local level with someone just like me. But I also have access to vice, as I've said, to the very senior level of the big kids' table where the 100 billionaires sit down. And I'm going to tell you, in that group where people are worth $100 billion, the people that run the whole show, hey, there's defectors up there. This thing is falling apart. This narrative that these people are brainwashing us with, it's dissolving. It's the most dangerous moment in world history. Because very shortly, these people are going to be powerless and they're going to be completely exposed and revealed to everyone except their cohort of minions who are completely given over to evil. And these people, faced with failure, 
will choose death. And when they choose death, they intend to kill everybody. Another little theological problem that we're going to have to delve into. So how do we do this? How do we disincentivize these people from killing everybody? I know there's a lot of us that want to hang these people. They want re- People want revenge. And uh, historically, you know, revenge is a big part of the changing of the guard. You know, the king is dead, long live the king. Sometimes the king didn't die in his sleep. He was poisoned. We can't do that with these people. These people will kill everyone. We have to give them what the Chinese call stairs to walk off the stage. We have to give them a way to get out of this gracefully. Otherwise, they're just going to kill everybody. While we continue to expose their very dark plans and plots, which we're going to get into right now. But before we do so, the greatest power that I have, blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating the light and the dark. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating me in your image. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for making me an American. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for making me free. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for healing the blind. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for feeding the people. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for releasing the bound. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for raising up the downtrodden. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating the heavens and the earth. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for providing for all my needs. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for directing my path. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for our America and our courage. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for crowning America with glory. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for restoring strength to the weary. I'm going to get better at this. And I think if we all start to think about this and pray this together, we're going to accelerate the restoration of our republic, which is why we're doing this together. We're doing this to restore our republic, to maintain a space where faith is honored and revered, and protecting the lives and futures of our children. That's why I'm doing this. And when you go to the precinctstrategy.com, precinctstrategy.com, it's a tutorial on everything you need to do to get into the game of politics. We're running a Minnesota franchise here. And as we talk about this more and more in the future, if you're in Minnesota, please join us. You want to make Minnesota a beautiful, you know, young Tanner was just up in the northern part of the state the Boundary Waters Canoe Area. A more beautiful and pastoral place can't be found on planet Earth. I've been there dozens and dozens of times. It's nature relatively unvarnished, relatively. And Tanner was telling me about laying on his back, on the ground, looking up at the Milky Way, and what a spiritual experience this was for him. I've done it. Uh, You know, Minnesota's a beautiful state. It's beautiful here. Four seasons, it's green, there's blue, there's water. There's good people here. They're brainwashed. 
They've lost their way, many of them. And our state machinery is gummed up with evil people. I'm not just blaming the Democrat. The Democrat is in the Republican. It's all the people that believe in eugenics. Some of them don't even know that they're eugenicists. So gummed up is their brains. Their brains are spaghetti. We're going to try to help them sort this out. And we want them to come and join the American people in Minnesota and make this a state that's safe for children. That's why we're doing this. And the other side, well, they're turning this into a state that's safe for those that would butcher children. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting we're fighting over our children? Think about how bizarre that is, that we have a fight over the safety and future of the helpless. Think about how far we've fallen. Unbelievable. Well, a little bit of Ukraine news. Got to get into the Ukraine. We're still here. When I saw you last, I said, well, I hope we're still here. I hope we're still here tomorrow. Things are changing. Let's play this uh, clip, Mr. Tanner, with our favorite, and I keep calling him Leslie. Again, Leslie, I'm sorry. It's Lindsey. Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham. I get a Freudian slip about this. Some of you know exactly why I do this. I'm not even going to comment on my own Freudian slip. It's not the right thing to do. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Let's take a listen to what Senator Graham has to say. Senator Graham, after that very uh, newsworthy press conference yeah. yesterday, the Russian ambassador came out and accused you and Blumenthal of essentially inciting nuclear war. How do you respond to him? Well, uh, Dick and I didn't move any tactical nuclear weapons to Belarus. <laughs> so the bottom line is Putin is playing a game. Every time we want to send any weapon, that's going to be World War III. You know, if you send in tanks, that's a new game. If you do the HIMARS, every time we try to help Ukraine evict the Russians, they threaten the West. Here's what I think is real. According to President Biden, the use of a tackler nuclear weapon by Russia is becoming a more real scenario as Ukraine gains momentum on the battlefield. So I'm letting the Russian generals know, if you follow the order of Putin to blow up the nuclear facility, the plant, to radiate Europe, or you drop a tactical nuclear weapon to turn around the war you're losing, I consider that an attack on NATO, and Senator Blumenthal, a Democrat, agrees. You cannot irradiate half of Europe and expect NATO to sit on the sidelines. So it's a warning to the generals that if you follow this order, then all hell is going to fall on Russian soldiers inside of Ukraine. What should the red line be for President Biden for America? You know, there are some reports that chemical weapons may have already been used, will be used. Where's the red line? When should America respond? Well, I think if you do anything to attack neighboring countries, an attack on NATO would be what? Having a radioactive cloud fly over the country and, you know, destroy the quality of life. This idea of using a nuclear weapon to turn around a conventional loss on the battlefield is getting real. Moving the weapons into Belarus, he's testing us at every turn. So Dick and I, Blumenthal, are trying to say checkmate to the Russian generals. Go down this road at your own peril. They're losing on the battlefield. Their ability to decapitate the Kyiv uh, government fails spectacularly. 
now they're losing ground every day. Over time, I think the Ukrainians are going to break through uh, to Mariupol, and the Russians are going to be cut off from their supply routes inside of Ukraine, uh, inside of Crimea. And we live in a dangerous world, but I just want the Russians to know that if you explode a nuclear weapon in Ukraine, the effects will be all over Europe, NATO nations, and you will be at war with NATO. You know, as far as the Republican Party goes, you have been very outspoken on the need to uh, fund Ukraine militarily yeah. and economically uh, in post-reconstruction. Um, how do you think Trump and the rest of the <coughs> House GOP, how are they going to square, how do you square your position with some people that are very loud advocates for not continuing that support? Well, I'm right and they're wrong. That's how you square it. <laughs> so, now, President Trump provided lethal weapons to the Ukrainians on his watch. If it were not for the uh, anti-tank weapons, um, what do you call that? The Javelin. Yeah. A lot of kids named Javelin in Ukraine right now, by the way. That's like the most popular new name. The Javelin anti-tank weapons that Trump provided slowed the assault on Kyiv. Now, President Biden has been providing weapons late. We should have had the F-16s uh, a year ago, ready to go. Air cover's missing here, to my Republican colleagues. The best way to expand a war is to allow a bad guy to get away with taking territory by force. I'm gonna write a book, World War II for Dummies. <laughs> if you think Putin is gonna stop in Ukraine, you're not listening to what he said. But if Ukrainians can stop him, China is less likely to go into Taiwan. To all the China hogs out there, how do you square having a budget that reduces the U.S. Navy from 298 ships to 291? How do you square the idea you want to stand up to China if you're willing to give Putin Ukraine? It makes no sense. I think the American people understand no Americans are dying. All they want is our technology and our weapons. They're doing the fighting and the dying. And if they can stop Putin, the world will be a better place. Senator, the Republican Party is moving away from the, the tradition of Ronald <laughs> Reagan and robust uh, foreign policy, a muscular foreign policy of you and the late Senator John McCain, the <coughs> wingman on foreign yep. policy, very hawkish. Uh, we, there was a poll out last week from the Pew organization that says 44% of Republi Republicans say we are providing too much money for, to Ukraine right now. You and Dick Blumenthal are threatening to go to war if they use nukes. Will the rest of the Congress and the, the American people, as reflected in the Congress, be behind you? Well, I, I'm hoping that uh, President Biden will come out and say what I'm saying. To the Russians, if you explode a tactical nuclear device in Ukraine, you'll be at war with NATO. Uh, we had a chance to deter the invasion. Didn't work. Oh, boy, there's so much disinformation and misinformation in there. I could go an hour on this guy. First of all, remember, my party, the Republican Party, I'm not supposed to criticize this even by inference. And to all the people that believe that, up yours. These people are going to get us all killed. This guy, Lindsey Graham, has backed every... American war and incursion since 2000 and Bush. Go back and look it up. This guy is a shill for the military-industrial complex, as is the faithless wing of the Republican Party. Very interesting. They put it right up there. 44 per, in a Pew Research poll, whatever that is. And I'm not saying it's good, good information. It's just information. Here's the part that's interesting. The Pew did two polls, one in March 2022. 9% of Republicans said that there was too much support for the Ukraine. Oh, that was me. 
March 2022, I knew this was a scam. Well, now it's up to 44% of Republicans. In March of 2022, 5% of Democrats thought that this war was wrong. Now it's up to a whopping 14%. So you add it up together, somewhere around a third of the country, according to this poll, and that's kind of the sense of many polls, about a third of the country are opposed to this unbridled support of war in Russia from the Russian perspective. Mr. History doesn't matter. He wants to wipe all that history away so you think that this is going on in Ukraine, which the Ukraine, the Ukraine, like the Midwest, was generally for hundreds of years part of Russia. Well, we created a nation, a nation state there. When I say we, I mean you and me. I, by abdicating my personal power and letting people like Lindsey Graham run the show, have created an anti-Russian state right on Russia's border, as if Canada suddenly was against the United States. And maybe it well, it, it might end up being that way. We don't know. But what's really critical about this is anti-war sentiment has grown from about 7% of the U.S. population. Hey, you know what? 90% of the people, 93%, thought this war was a good idea. I thought it was a bad idea from the first day. But as I've said, I'm Ukrainian, so I know who these people are. It's part of my family history. They can't fool me. I'm lucky, I, I'm lucky to be here because the people that were in my line had not boogied out of there Professor Penn would have never even been a twinkle in my dad's eye because my dad wouldn't have made it. Because these people, these people are genocidal. Let's just understand who these people are. These people will kill everyone. They are the tip of the let's kill everyone spear. That's who they are. And they're fronting for the let's kill everyone group here in the United States. So the fact that this anti-war sentiment has grown from almost zero. 93% of the people are supporting the war in our creation of the army and the arming of the army of the Ukraine, such as it is. And now it's gone in just one year. Actually, it's, yeah, it's about one year, one year and two months. It's grown to about a third of the U.S. population of the voters Let's give it a couple more months. Let's give it a couple more months. And that's why Senator Graham is up there shilling so hard, saying he's right and everybody else is wrong. He's not right. He just says he's right. Good at it. He's another good salesman, like our Congressman Emmer. These, these people that lead the charge for slavery, drugs, and piracy, hey, they're good salesmen. I wish they'd go sell cars. Now, they were bored with that. They didn't want to sell cars. They decided to sell weapons and death. Merchants of death. Have you ever heard that before? Merchants of death? Hey, hey. And you know what they tell me here in the party in Minnesota? Stay in your lane. That this issue has nothing to do with Minnesota politics. That the issues of the crushing debt and inflation that are ravaging the American people and the transfer of wealth to a very small number of people through scams like this Ukraine war. That's not even, 
has nothing to do with Minnesota politics. Hey, you know what? Up yours. It's the only politics that matters, okay? And we're going to use this politics as the only politics that matters, as the platform to coalesce our group. You're listening to me. You're in Minnesota. We want and we request you join with us. Excuse me. Appreciate you giving me a break. If you need a little drink, please go get it. This kind of stuff will dry you up and parch you out because we're talking about people that want to kill me and kill you too. And if you have children, kill your children too. Won't that be fun to be sitting in a room and the air raid, air raid sirens go off and you got to look at your six-year-old and say goodbye, honey? Won't that be a lot of fun? If you want to stop that, I'm going to tell you what I would like to see happen. I'd like to see a million people in the streets next weekend protesting this illegitimate war. Protest. Protest. Into the streets we go. And I'm going to tell you why this is important. We're modifying these people. We are modifying these people. There was just a summit in Vilnius, Lithuania, a NATO summit. Happened a couple of days ago. And the NATO war hawk sentiment is starting to fracture because people all over the world are saying, hey, this isn't good for me. Like if you're a German, you're on the front lines. Do you really want to see a new... Senator Graham, he's kind of programming us for a nuclear event in the Ukraine. You know, he's threatening the Russians. No, he's not. He's brainwashing me. There's going to be a nuclear event, and then NATO is going to get involved. There's going to be a nuclear event, and then NATO is going to get involved. There's going to be a nuclear event, and then NATO is going to get involved. Like free and fair elections, free and fair elections, free and fair elections. You know, say it long enough and often enough, as Joseph Goebbels said, tell a lie long enough, and it will become the truth. That's what we're dealing with here. Guys like Mr. History doesn't matter. Military intelligence. Oh, so proud to tell us about his military intelligence. Great. What does military intelligence do? It brainwashes people. That's what its job is. They call it intelligence because they're smarter than we are. That's why they're able to brainwash it. Brainwash us. Can't even say it. Let me say this again. They brainwash us. And what the Matrix bit at the beginning was with Mr. Royce White. All Royce is saying is, playing the role of Morpheus is, you have a blue pill and a red pill. You take that blue pill, all you're saying is, you know what, the high is so good, I get all the dope I want, I got enough money to buy food, I can go on my phone, the dopamine's flown through my brain, I don't want to deal with any of this stuff. I'm taking the blue pill. Or you can take the red pill, and all you're promised is the truth. All it is is the truth. You're not going to take that red pill and wake up to roses and sunshine. This place is a mess. When you take the red pill, you can join a movement of people that are concerned about human well-being, that every policy is about the well-being of the people. What kind of BS is this that we have an elected senator from South Carolina threatening the Russians with NATO, a war with NATO. I mean, this if you if you walk this back in your brain, the whole conversation is insane. 
I mean, this is just insanity, which we accept as the world we live in. Come on. Is this the best that we can do? Why do we do this? Well, I'll tell you why. We took the blue pill and we're working our asses off as wage slaves to fund a military-industrial complex that runs an empire with 350 18-hole golf courses around the world. You're living in an empire. We're not living in the United States of America. We're living in the United States of empire. Empire. You know what an empire is? It's the Roman Empire, okay? It's the Mongol Empire. It's the British Empire. These things, historically, if you go back and look at them, they're not very positive memories. They're the memories of brutality and conquest and human exploitation and child exploitation. We want to protect our children? Reel it in. We don't need an empire. That's only for the people that profit from the empire. And I have something to say to you. Up yours. You put your pants legs on. Your pants go on your legs the same as mine. In fact, I bet I'm way better at it than you are. I've been working on putting my underwear and pants on smoothly for my entire life. I bet you stumble around like the fat that you are. Excuse me. I'm not supposed to swear anymore. We're actually taking this thing downtown. You know, maybe Tanner bleeped that out. We're not swearing anymore. We're done. You know why? Because we're for all the people. And for the people that are out there that don't like the swearing, I'm not going to swear because I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do one thing that deters you from joining this movement. I want to be the kind of person that's welcoming, that's warm, and that honors your resistance to swearing because I think that's reasonable. And I'll tell you why. Swearing's unnecessary. Bleep that out. We're done swearing here in the Professor Penn podcast. Anytime I swear, bleep it. Thank you. Now, let's hear how the Russians are responding to this kind of stuff. Can you play this piece? This is uh, Lavrov. He's uh, as far up the totem pole there in Russia as you can get, except for Putin. Let's play Mr. Lavrov. I'll translate for our audio listeners. Facts show Ukraine's provocative actions. They say the Ukrainians that the Russians will blow themselves up while we're at a nuclear facility. It's a pure lie. They're just lying. Like Lindsey Graham. The nuclear plant has had IAEA experts there for many months. That's a United Nations nuclear watchdog group. These experts send regular reports to Vienna where their headquarters are. They send reports every day. Their director, Grossi, Raphael Grossi, has visited the Zaporizhia nuclear plant. And they all know very well who's shelling the plant. He's in plan, it's the Ukrainians. It's very dangerous, and this kind of shelling can lead to no good. He's got a sense of humor. He's saying, thanks for worrying about us, but please don't. Now he's going to talk about Prigozhin. 
And he's going to say after the Progrosian drama, Russia has emerged stronger than ever. And he's seeing signs of that. Okay, that's good. Let, that's good. That's good. He's going to go on to talk about allegations of child exploitation by the Russians. This is the kettle calling the coffee pot black. I'm not even going to open that up today. Because one of the fundamental criticisms that have been levied against the Russians is they've kidnapped children. You know, I, I, don't, I don't even want to, I'm going to go see the movie and I'm going to come back and talk about it. It's just so aggravating that I, I just, there's, and I'm not going to get through anything I wanted to talk about today and they're just going to keep on rocking. Now, I've always liked Lavrov. This guy is cool. You know, this is where I get into what do, who, who, who are we? We're our history. We're our smiles and cries. And we are our style. This guy is stylish. He's just stylish. He's got gravitas. And what he's saying is everything that Senator Graham asserts is a lie. And he starts to give dispositive evidence about why it's a lie. Because what Graham is implying is that the Russians might blow up this nuclear power plant, which is what they're doing is they're preparing us, the American people, for a nuclear event so they can lock the country down. And why are they doing that? Their narrative is falling apart. They're losing control. The fact that you're listening to this indicates that they're losing control. They've lost control of a narrative that goes back decades. You know, I have a very good friend of mine who says, a man only gets his arm chopped off when he reaches. These people have taken their hands out of their pockets and they're going for it. And we, the American people, are figuring this out and we're saying, uh-uh, you're not going to do this. And what that's created is a chain reaction of events where within their own cohort at the governmental level, their control of the governmental mechanisms is falling apart. There's resistance in the government. And then at the very senior level, the money that runs the whole deal, some of those people are saying, nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. So the whole program's coming unwound. And then we got the young heroes. Here's a clip I want to talk a little bit about the, the young heroes. We got this precinct strategy. We're doing it here in Minnesota. You know, we're doing it. We're Republican Party officers, and we're out in the precincts meeting people. Now, there's a lot of people here in, in this part of the state, hundreds of thousands. And it seems overwhelming. But we don't need everyone. We need to fill those 200,000 vacant seats in the Republican Party with people that care about their children. And when those seats are filled, and I want to share this with you, when you join the party and you become a delegate, so we have a thing called the caucus system in Minnesota. Caucuses will be in next, you know, in next February. And your local area your what's called your Senate district. In other words, you you live in an area, it has a geography, it has a boundary. That boundary is a political entity. It has a political organization, and it will hold what's called a caucus. 
I'm going to, of course, let you know when your caucuses are going to occur. Because by then we'll have a website and all the caucuses in the state will be posted there so you can go right there and look it up with an address and a time. You go there and you say, I would like to be elected as a delegate. And guess who's going to be there? Your neighbors. So if you have 20 neighbors that you barbecue with, that you talk to, and all of you go to caucus, you live in a precinct. That's why it's called the precinct strategy. That precinct maybe is a couple thousand people. It's your neighborhood. You can take 20 or 30 of your neighbors to this Senate District Caucus. And you're all going to be in a room. It'll probably be in a high school or a junior high school. You'll be in a room. Someone like me will be the caucus leader, and we're going to have a vote. Who would like to become a delegate? And if you bring 20 of your friends with you, you can all elect each other as delegates. And now you're in the party. You got to vote. And once you do that, you can go to the convention. And these people that are fencing for slavery, drugs, and piracy, guess what you can do? You can say, "Uh uh-uh, you're retired. We're going to elect American citizens that care about children, that care about my children. Because some of the people that are listening here have children in elementary school, junior high school, high school, maybe college. And we want to protect our children. I have five of them. One, two, three, four, five. Five. Five children that I love. I want to protect them. That's why I'm in politics. Because the people that are running the show, hey, they're warning us that there's going to be a nuclear event in the Ukraine. What kind of a scam is this that I even have to listen to such a thing? Or that we have nuclear weapons? I mean, we got to dial this back. Nuclear weapons? that can kill hundreds of thousands of people and vaporize them in an instant, and we accept this, right? This is normal. This is insane. We're living in an insane world. It's a clown car of crazies, and they're careening us towards destruction. And come on, 60 million babies have been killed in this country by abortion. We just went through an event. You know, I was watching uh, an interview. Somebody said... I don't want to mention their names because you're going to know them and it's going to get me in trouble on the Internet. Somebody said, uh, well, we got one thing to thank President Putin for. Well, what's that? He, he cured COVID. He did? How did he do that? Well, after the Ukraine was invaded by the Russian army, nobody ever talked about COVID again. It disappeared. And he said, thank you, President Putin, for curing COVID. That's the kind of crazy-ass world we live in. But we got these young heroes, young heroes, young people that are officers of the Republican Party that are taking the time to go out into their neighborhoods and organize their neighborhoods and bring people into the Republican Party process. They're not doing it one or two or three, Mr. We don't need any more Republicans. They're going to do it in the thousands, the thousands. And that's how we're going to take back this government from the insane people that are running it. I said for years, you can't let the inmates run the asylum. Now I say, the inmate, you know, I'm an inmate, right? I mean, I'm goofy. I can't run the asylum unless the doctor who's treating me wants to kill me 
in which case, hey, I'm going to have to run the asylum. That's why I'm in politics. I'm going to run the asylum, and I'm going to make it not about killing people, but about making people well. We live in a society that parasitizes the people. There's birth and there's death. In between, there's a series of diagnostic codes and a drug that creates a revenue stream for a very small number of people who profit from the ill health that they foster in our society. Like sugar, the drug of the British Empire. If, you know, I just read a thing. I got. I'm going to come back next time with the uh, with the data. The World Health Organization, such as it is, released a data and a prediction about diabetes. Diabetes. It's going to explode. Like I don't know, twenty percent of the world population. I'm going to get the exact numbers next time. Tanner, don't let me forget because we don't like to screw this kind of thing up, because I like to be exact. I want to deal with the facts. You know, Reagan said, trust but verify, and I like that. I don't want to be trusted. I want to be trusted and verified. And if I make a mistake, I urge you, you know, get in touch with me. I'm not afraid of being wrong. I want to be corrected so that my thinking improves. But diabetes comes from a self-inflicted wound of diet, okay? So they sell, oh yeah, we're free, we're free to eat anything we want to. We're free to get high. We're free to inject ourselves with deadly drugs. Hey, we're free. Okay, that's our libertarian brothers and sisters. Hey, go kill yourselves, right? They're libertarians. It doesn't work. These very sophisticated and horrifying people exploit the natural appetites of the population. They make us sick, and then they have a humongous, there's that word again, they have a huge infrastructure called the medical industrial complex to treat us when we break down and get sick from the very society that they create to make us sick. The whole system is sick. I'm about well-being. I hope you're about well-being. And here's a blast. We actually can create a well-being society. There's a novel idea, a well-being society. So we have these young heroes that are out knocking on doors and creating a movement of people that want to create a well-being Minnesota or a well-being Kansas or a well-being New York or a well-being California. This is going on everywhere all the time. If you're involved in this movement, you can feel something is happening that's unprecedented in American history. So for all you people that are calling for unity, which means let's preserve the status quo of slavery, drugs, and piracy, up yours. We're not going to have unity. We're going to have change. Unity means preserving the status quo. We're not doing that. We're going to evolve the business model of the United States of America. We don't want to be an empire. We don't want our children trucked off to wars to lose their limbs. We don't want to see a nuclear holocaust. We want to see our children grow in faith and knowledge to live lives of meaning and service one to another. That's the world we want to create. Well, one last little dig at the uni party that's run on the Republican Party. 
a brief update on Congressman, Congressman Emmer, who I'm not to criticize even by inference, the congressman who touted the greatest budgetary cuts in American history. That was about a month ago. And in that month, our debt has increased on the books, which you can go look up, by another $1 trillion. Thank you, Congressman Emmer. You're a great salesman. I'm offering you a job at my business. We need great salespeople. But please sell the truth. Please come up with features and benefits that are honest. Don't sell me a bullshit story. Beep that one out too, please. We're not swearing anymore here. I get very angry because when I'm lied to and manipulated and abused and then other people come and tell me, oh, take it with a smile. Don't even, they're a fellow Republican. Don't even criticize it by inference. The Nazi party is right down the block for all you people that believe that. Go join the American Nazi party. They believe that there can be no dissent or the American Communist Party. There's no dissent there. You will follow the party line and you will do whatever they tell you to do because you're a brain-dead minion. And if you're a brain-dead minion, if you've taken that blue pill every day your whole life and you think I'm disgusting, please leave the party. Because you know what? I represent where the party is headed. Very quickly. We're coming. So since you're going to lose your spot anyhow, why don't you make it easy on all of us and just resign? American Nazi Party, it's down there. It's waiting for you. They need new members. You know, we have our government telling us that white supremacists are the greatest threat to the country. Why hide in the Republican Party and screw up the people's movement, which is exactly where we're going to get to next. We're going to talk about the Nazi Pope. The Nazi Pope. Could you play... Tanner, this um, bit with Herr Hitler and the scenes of the Vatican, because it goes together like a hand in a glove. Und die Erwartung von jedem Deutschen, 
der Anstandung Charakter hat, dass er in diese Kolonne mitmarschiert. This is going to take several podcasts to get through it because I really want to get into this deeply. And so I'm going to try to introduce this. And I, and I have a goal here, and, and, and here's my goal. My goal is if you're a racist or an anti-Semite and you're in the Republican Party, resign. Just leave the party. When I say join the American Nazi Party, I'm very serious about it. Go join the Nazis, because that's who you are, okay? If you are harboring hatreds for groups based on their group identity, go join the American Nazi Party. Look in the mirror, do an inventory of how you think about things, and honestly assess, do I hold racist views about black people. And if you're honest, you'll say, yes, I do. And then if you commit to try to work through that and to try to heal that element in yourself, like I have done, I have to do this. We have to do this work. Because here's the little hidden story. Being a racist, fearing other groups, that's, that's in our meat. That's genetic. If you're at one end of the valley and you're in a tribe and the people at the other end of the valley are in a different tribe and you're not trading anymore, you're probably killing each other. So that resistance to the other, that identification of the other, that is a survival mechanism that is built into our genetics. But we live in the United States of America. We are not united by an ethno-nationalist identity like in China or in Russia or in Israel. We're not an ethno-nationalist country. We are a republic where the population is united by our adherence to a set of soaring ideas. And those ideas are that all men are created equal that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those are the words that unite us and bind us, not who we are genetically. So to the extent that we have carried this demonization of the other from our home countries, when we came from Germany, we came from Ireland, we came from Britain, we came from the Ukraine, we came from Liberia, we came from China, we came from all over the world to be in the United States of America. And why did we come here? For freedom. Our ancestors came from all over the world to live a better life here. And that freedom, that better life spawned incredible prosperity. But within this light is a darkness. And that darkness has been growing for decades. Started about the time of Woodrow Wilson and during the period of industrialization when people gave up their self-governance, 
their ability to grow their own food and live their own life and started to develop a dependency on a system. And that system was created to serve the people. And there was a social compact for many, many years where the government actually tried to serve the people. And that lasted, eh, in the scheme of historical time, a blink of an eye. And then the natural depravity that lurks inside of me, the dark inside of me, the dark inside of you, the dark inside of our elected leaders, power. They became addicted to power and all the perks that come with power. As they said in Star Wars, beware of the dark side of the force, Luke. They weren't wary of the dark side of the force. They gave over to it. They just gave over to it. And now we're ruled by people who are controlled by the dark side of the force. Well, we're in a populist movement here. Populism. What is populism? Populism is the people organizing to run the government, to take the government back from our elites. You know, generally speaking, someone like me, you know, I went to an East Coast school. Many of the people that I went to school with are now running the deal. I know who they are. I mean, come on. You know, you, you graduate from Harvard Law School, and uh, you're working in the government. And you have been acculturated into a secret society that's eugenicist in nature. And now you are running the deal. And what am I? I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a useless person to be ruled. They're just ruling me, and all the benefits are going uphill, and all that bleep is coming downhill. So where did this start? Why am I doing this? Why am I talking about the Nazi Pope? And why am I going to spend some time on the Nazi Pope? And for the Catholics that are listening, Pope Pius, go look him up. He was the Pope in charge during the Second World War. He, was an, he is on record, documentary evidence as an anti-Semite. When the Allied forces took over Rome, he asked the Allied generals to not let any black troops into Rome. Hey, come on. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? It's on record. It's written down. That's what's great about these people. They write everything down. You just need to go look it up. And researchers have looked it up. And we want to talk about this Nazi pope not to impugn Catholicism. No. It's got nothing to do with it. We're men and women. We err. We make mistakes. Humanity is waking up from the blue pill. Why we want to talk about the Nazi pope and what happened to Catholicism during that time is how it influenced our country. Because, you know, Catholics were very discriminated against here in this country by the Republican Party, or shall I say the proto-Republican Party, which was the know-nothings and the Whigs. They didn't want Catholics here. They wanted to stop the popery. Again, if you have some time and you want to go watch a great movie, go watch The Gangs of New York, starring Daniel Day-Lewis and directed by Martin Scorsese. It's a beautiful movie about how the Protestant, white, 
or as Governor Romney said, the lily white Protestant majority sought to limit Catholic immigration into the country from Germany, from Ireland. They fought these people. And when I say they fought them, they didn't just fight them politically. They killed them. This was a, a civil war that was perpetrated in this country for many, many years. And the Catholics were really discriminated against. They lived in ghettos, just like the Jews. They weren't allowed into the social you know, system. They were held back. They, they were really poor. They were impoverished, held down. And, you know, the KKK, the cross burnings, they weren't just after the, you know, the black people. They were beaten up on the Catholics. Of course, the Catholics organized. They were badasses. And why I want to bring this up and how it relates to today's politics, and I want to go into it at great depth. I'm just not going to get to it today. But I'm going to introduce the idea. Go look, if I could ask you, go look up Father, Father Coughlin. Father Coughlin, he was a Catholic priest, uh, very prominent in the 1930s in the lead-up to uh, World War II. And uh, Father Coughlin was a rabid anti-Semite. And we don't have to wonder. Let me just play one clip. Let's find this one clip just as, a, as an appetizer. And I'm going to tell you which clip I want you to run. See how many, see how many notes I have for this thing? Because when I start talking about the Nazi Pope, I don't want to piss anybody off with the, you know unsupported observations. I have pages and pages that I want to bring forth to you because this Nazi Pope influenced American Catholicism. And Father Coughlin was Irish, an Irish Catholic, and my theory of that case was the Irish were not getting along with the English, okay? And the Germans and the English were at war. So the Irish thought, okay, maybe if we align with the Nazis here, we can accomplish our goal, our goal of freedom for the Irish people. So Father, Father Coughlin popped up as a Catholic priest in, in Michigan and uh, he was under attack by the uh, KKK, and he decided that he was going to start to broadcast. And he started broadcasting, uh, and I think the population of the country when he started to broadcast was about, mm, maybe about 130 million people. And 30 million people were estimated to listen to his weekly radio broadcast. He started a populist movement, and he had a lot of very interesting things to say. Of course, many of the things he, that he had to say is what our current populist movement was saying, that the working man is being exploited, that the Federal Reserve is a scam, that Wall Street is a scam. I mean, he was really, um, he was really saying many of the things that we're saying today, but he missed something. He didn't understand or he didn't want to understand the difference between Catholics and anti-Catholics. In other words, people that wrap themselves in Catholicism, they're really not believers in God. Or Jews that wrap themselves in the robes of Judaism, they don't have anything to do with it, as I like to call them anti-Jews. Just to let you know how intense he was about this, can you play this piece that I've labeled Father Coughlin challenging the Jews. It's the third of the Coughlin clips. 
for things in the National Union for Social Justice. We are Christian in so far as we believe in Christ's principle of love your neighbor as yourself. And with that principle, I challenge every Jew in this nation to tell me that he does not believe in it. That's good. We're going to come back to it, okay? Because, I mean, you can't get any more uh, <laughs> pitting one group against another than to say, I challenge every Jew in the nation to say we don't love our neighbors. I mean, come on. This was intense. Now, I, we're going to delve into the history of this as long as we don't have a nuclear war. Um, and, I, I mean, it really deserves a careful uh, teasing out of the, of the issues here. But the reason I'm bringing it up today as, a, as, a, as an appetizer is if you listen to the left, if you listen to the left, when I say the left, I mean half the Republican Party, all the Democrat Party, our government, our president, and the media. All of these institutions have identified the greatest threat to the United States of America as white supremacism, racism. And what they're doing is, is they're taking this populist movement that I, as an American citizen, am involved in, and born as a Jewish American citizen, and they're telling me that being involved with you in this people's movement, I'm a racist and an anti-Semite. They're constantly broad-brushing this movement and everybody involved with it as racist and anti-Semitic. And that's why I'm telling you, if, if you're watching me because you're tracking me and you're in the Republican Party and you're a racist, please leave the party because we're going to throw you out of here. We have to run this movement. We, you and me, because it's a people's movement. That means we're in it together. We have to be very careful not to allow the power structure to turn us against ourselves with allegations of anti-Semitism and racism, homophobia, xenophobia. We cannot fall into that trap this time because every time there's been a populist movement, the first one, for example, being President Andrew Jackson, the first great populist, what he did to the American the Native Americans, was criminal. If there was a war crimes tribunal, Andrew Jackson would be convicted of war crimes against the Native Americans. And that discredits in the history books Andrew Jackson, who was actually a great populist. He had a flat spot. He believed in the manifest destiny of white Protestants to rule this country from sea to shining sea, and he had no problem removing the Native Americans from their lands. That would be called piracy. He pirated away their lands and interned them in prisons called reservations. I mean, come on. This is kind of a genocide. Not kind of. It was genocide. Something that all of us bear as Americans as part of our history. we got to work this through. Father Coffin had a tremendous populist movement. 
and it was actually called the America First Movement. President Trump repackaged that branding, and he named this movement America First, which really he did it to piss off the leftists because Father Coughlin was an isolationist. He did not want the United States of America to get involved in the wars of Europe. He wanted an American foreign policy, a limited foreign policy, limited ambition. His politics was about the health and well-being of the American citizen. But he spoke openly in very anti-Semitic terms, and that's used to discredit his message. And this man lived in, in Michigan. I mean, he died not that long ago. He had a very long life. And unfortunately, his, his movement was disbanded because of the anti-Semitism that he espoused, and the war started, and he was branded a danger, and he was taken off the air, and his movement was crushed by the government, which is exactly what's in store for you and me here. If, and this is what Senator Graham is trying to presage. Oh, there's going to be a nuclear incident in the Ukraine. What do you think is going to happen to Professor Penn? trying to bring some balance to this Ukraine drama if there's a nuclear incident. I'll probably be arrested. I'll probably be interned. Just like the Japanese were interned during World War II. American citizens, Japanese-American citizens were rounded up under the Roosevelt administration and interned in internment camps. Their property was confiscated. That'd be called piracy. We have a very long tradition in this country of piracy and drugs and slavery. And this movement, this populist movement that you and I are involved in, we have to fight in our movement to keep it about the soaring rhetoric of our American founding documents where all men are created equal. All men. I'm not interested in what, you know, Marxist, you know, professors say to discredit these words because they're working on it every day. They're abusing my children by telling them that our founding fathers, the heroes of this country, are discredited because they own slaves. Yeah, it's terrible they own slaves. I agree with them. But what they wrote down, that all men are created, that's why we are trying to create a more perfect union. We're going to get there right now, or we're all going to die. That's the fight. It's good versus evil. Hey, it's a straight-up fight. So how do we win this fight? By praying, learning how to pray, by being good ourselves, and spreading that goodness to our neighbors, and getting involved in our own way in the political process. By going to precinctstrategy.com, Let's say you live in Oklahoma. There's information on that website about how to get involved in the Oklahoma Republican Party. And you're going to say, wow, this is an all-Republican state. Okay, great. Want to keep it that way? Because I'm going to tell you, the enemy, and they are an enemy, they're working on turning Oklahoma blue. And I'll bet in the big cities, there's blue districts that want to spread out, that are going to spread out. Like in Texas. Is that really a Republican Party down in Texas? 
or is that a uni party down in Texas? I know if you're in Texas, maybe you want to figure it out. And then we get into all kinds of political considerations. Is a uni party Republican party better than a leftist Democrat party? Hey, we got a lot to sort out here. A lot to sort out. But that's the beautiful thing. If they don't kill us, we're walking on a long march together. A long march to human well-being. So why I'm going to start talking about Father Coughlin is his movement was discredited because of the anti-Semitism that was part of that time. We have Catholics today that are anti-Semitic. We need to talk about that. We need to understand why they're anti-Semitic. Hey, we have Jews that are way off the rails. It's time to heal this element of our humanity because we don't live in an ethno-nationalist state. We live in the United States. We are many peoples coming together. Let us get over this balkanization. Look at what our, our professors are doing to us, making us hate each other. Come on. I don't hate anybody. I don't even hate the people that are trying to stab me in the back of the Republican Party. If I'm ever killed, I'm not going to kill the person that hate. I'm not going to hate the person that kills me. I'm going to try to kill him first, but I'm not going to hate him. I don't have any emotional content about it. It's not about hatred. It's about well-being. Hatred and well-being do not exist in the same space. If you want to be well and you're holding on to resentment, clear your mechanism. We have to clear the mechanism of our entire country. We're killing each other. And they're throwing fuel on that fire because they know we're human beings, full of human frailties, and they're exploiting those frailties for what purpose? To enslave us? To drug us? And then to take all of our things away from us, including our children. And we just can't let this go. I can't, not we. I can't allow that. What you do, you have to make your own decision. And then you have to live with your decision. I have made my decision. I cannot abide and sit passively when the children are exploited and are enculturated into a country that is now an empire that is completely anti the foundation of this country. This is an anti-empire country. So for all the people that are ex-military, please read the founding documents in the history of our country. If you served in Iraq or if you served in Korea or Vietnam, I in no way want to impugn your service. You went there as a young man, but you were there. You saw who those leaders were. You knew who these West Point people were. You saw it. Let's be honest about who they were. Let's be honest about what we saw and did there. Let's repent. Let's forgive one another. And let us no longer allow our elites, who are allegedly smarter and more educated than us, use their devil education, their eugenicist education, their Darwinist orientation to get us to kill each other. I'm going to stop that. So let's go out today with why we're all doing this. Let's go out with the Star-Spangled Banner. Can you play that for us, Tanner? I'll see you soon again. Thank you for joining.
and the twilight.